Frank, you're finally gonna let me talk about Android. <laughs> you know, I've been holding you down, uh, covering your mouth, keeping you from your favorite topic of all things, but I figured I've been talking, we've been talking so much about iOS lately that it's only due to <laughs> fairness that we talk yeah. about Android. It's either we're talking about iOS 11 or we're talking about things that Apple invented, like augmented reality <laughs> and uh, machine learning. So yeah, yeah, even that's when all Google, on Apple. And when, when Google tries to do it, there's nothing new because, you know, Apple's already done it. So like, who cares, <laughs> right? At that point, no one's ever done AR before. Um, no, no, fact, but then <laughs> I was asking you, well, did anything change in Android? Because I, <laughs> I don't pay attention that closely, unfortunately. And you're like, dude. Lots of stuff. There's this Android Oreo coming out. Oreo. And yeah, Oreo. Oh. <laughs> and oh. you sent me this link that had just a million changes. And I'm kind of ignorant of all of it. So I thought this would be a great learning opportunity for me, too. We're going to do a Crash Course 101 on Frank's Android O update. And what's really cool, actually, like as we're recording this, Xamarin just dropped support today and landed support for Android O. Oh in Visual Studio. So that's kind of cool. Like bonus. Good episode. timing. Good timing. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so is let's start at the basics. Uh, when is Android Oreo coming out? It's already out. And it, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Look, the education is starting right now. <laughs> yep. Uh, how many devices can run it? Two or three or what? <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, actually, surprisingly, so all the Pixel devices have been running it for a while now. What's kind of cool is Android started this you know, thing. And then Apple did it too, where everyone that had a specific device, basically the Google devices could get Android. O. now you can always just Google like Android. Droid life is what I go to for mm. my Android blog, but okay. you can always see like the release schedules and all the Samsung devices are going to be updated. Probably the S seven and S eight, I think is already rolling out all the pixel devices. I think the essentials getting it a bunch of the newer, essentially 2017 moniker devices are going to be getting it. Um, and, you know, you see a little bit better of a rollout. Like if I go to the Android dashboard and this is why no one gets excited because you go to the Android <laughs> dashboard and you're like, oh, like, should I care about Android? O? and right now only what's the percentage? <laughs> well, so it's not on there yet because oh, no. <laughs> no, there hasn't been a cycle yet. But the last cycle, which was August 8th, had a uh, 14, 13.5% of Android Nougat from a year ago. So, okay. you know, um, but well, it's been getting you know, better. I make fun of that percentage all the time, but if you think about it, 13 or 14% of a giant market is still a lot of devices. So while I love to make fun, and we all love to make fun of Android's uptake cycle, um, it is a lot of devices still. It's just that it's widespread, it's diversity just hurts it with these numbers. And it does. You'll, you'll never see 90%. It does. And I think what, what's important for developers to go do is to go into their actual Google Play console and you can see what versions of Android users that are running your current app have. So actually, of my most popular apps, 50% mm -hmm. of my users are on the latest version of Android. Look at that. Breaking the breaking the stereotype. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because when you think of mass scale and like, are you targeting, you know, other countries like the US probably gets you know, they have the higher end phones uh, here. Often we get them first or the like UK gets them and lower. Usually the the mass amount of the lower end um, are the cheaper devices that don't get updated over time. But those may not be your target market for your app. So you just kind of got to be aware of that. But Android O, Oreo, you are correct. And actually, you should go listen to the latest talk show with Gruber because I tweeted last night. He, he you know, Gruber has very little to say <laughs> about Android. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. However, <laughs> about as much he, as I have to say. <laughs> exactly. He did specifically had a recommendation and they talked mostly not about Android, but around um, Oreos themselves and how Oreos are gross. But the Newman's own O's like Oreo what? brand of Newman's are what? delicious. And I bought some last night at Bartels oh and Bartel tweeted at me today telling them thanks for <laughs> supporting local. And I hope that I enjoy the cookies. <laughs> <gasps> hipster so. Oreos. Are you really throwing hipster Oreos at me right now? <laughs> I did. They were great. <laughs> you can't improve upon the Oreo. That's not true. There's the Oreo thins. I think that they are the oh. improvement upon the Oreo. Okay. But I think the oh. Newman's are an improvement and 100% goes to charity. <laughs> and I will say that oh. they're made with organic flour and organic sugar. So 
That's really mean of you to like take all my moans over here and say, well, the money goes to charity. Stop moaning. Stop (laughs) moaning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, so, oh, they unveiled O, and I will say that Android O's iconography and um, character, because, you know, they they unveil a statue every year Mm -hmm. of the mascot. It sits out in their lawn, right? At the Mm -hmm. Googleplex or whatever it's called these days. They just put these giant plastic abominations outside. So what is it? They a do. giant Oreo? <laughs> it is a giant. It's terrible looking. It is. Aww. It's really bad. Like if you just type in Android Oreo um, uh-huh. into Google. Mascot. <laughs> mascot. Yeah, just go to images. You'll see Andy, the Android robot. And he has a big Oreo. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't. And the actual frosting is his like helmet cap. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell if these were jokes or the real thing. But it turns out it's the real thing. He's kind of cute. Looks Looks like a little white robot with a, a weird stomach <laughs> yeah all the all the androids are like drinking milk or whatever no it'd be pretty and i don't know it's it's fine i'm i i pretty much knew that this would be the name of it we just all assumed what's nice is that on the googleplex it's not only andy the robot but there's tons of oreos like huge giant oreos surrounding <laughs> him too which is kind of cool so i do like that um, i like the sugar theme uh you guys are I do lucky like it. it's I almost our like theme it's almost like Mac OS, right? Where everything was at first a lion or cats of some sort, Cat, and then it yeah. moved into mountains and high Sierras and Sierras and all that jazz. Where, like, I don't know what version of even Gruber was saying this. He's like, I don't necessarily know what version this is, right? And Google and Android's even more complex because this is Android 8.0 API 26. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for those who haven't had to deal with this before. Or uh, what is the schedule for when they up the number? Is it basically one for one at this point? So Android 9 would be API 27, or is it more complex than that? So it, every version... Um, oh, they every, bump a major. Mm. They bump a major, but also if there's a dot release, so like 7.1 where there's new APIs, mm-hmm. whenever there's new APIs that developers okay. need to get access to, that is a new API. Just like iOS 10.3, right? Mm-hmm. They group that yeah. in the 10 category. And that's why that number moves so fast. All I ever know is just that every time I'm going to build my Android app, I realize, oh my God, there's another SDK out. <laughs> and so I have to go download that one. Yeah, but, so that way there's like, in the world of Android, there's always this integer and then string, right? So integer is the API and then the version is that. Where in the world of Apple, it's just a number. There's two numbers. It's 10.3 and 10.3 SDK. Like it makes sense. <laughs> like yeah, most things this in is, Apple. Oh, this is like, this is just Google's thing, right? Like Chrome is at version 10,000 now or something. I don't pay attention Ooh. to that one either, but that know, is they, always a fun thing to look at when you go into Chrome. It's at version. 16. How high is it now? It's actually updating as we speak. So that's probably bad, but 16.0. Oh, mine too. <laughs> yeah. 16.0.3112.113. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, here's something funny, Frank, talking about version numbers. I was at PAX last week in awesome. uh, in Seattle. It was great. And there was this game. PAX West. PAX West. There was a game and it was like, this is alpha version 0.11, right? So 0.11. Oh. And I go to my I go to my friend Jesse. I go, this is only their 11th build of this game. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've only built it 11 times. Like, what, what's the CI server they use? Um, well they're not using git that's for sure yeah if you look at like the live player um it's version 1.0.507 that means we've built the application 507 times by the way yeah that's because we're really good at our jobs and we always nail it the first time that's why it required 590 builds (laughs) and that's why android is all the way up to version 26 where it keeps growing and and we'll get back to the topic at hand i guess oh we might yeah Um, uh, but actually, before we get back to the topic, um, uh, w- maybe we'll get to it later, but it should stand to reason that they also updated the support libraries. So uh, there's going to be more features than just the Android 8.0 features. Yeah, I would say that when, with every new Android release, uh, well, so the Android support libraries and Google Play services and Firebase are always revving all the time. And what's interesting is support libraries have a version number that is specified against the API level that it was compiled against. So the latest version of the support libraries is version 26 dot something, which correlates to version 26 of Android. Like at least they align that up. Um, and what's interesting about Android for about the last three marshmallow, I would say lollipop was a major rev marshmallow and nougat minimal and 
oh, relatively minimal. There's some really cool things oh, in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But these things are less about new features in the platform. And often what they do is when they add a new feature, they put it in a support library and I'll point those out. And yeah, usually they're just revving. Yeah, usually they're revving the actual support libraries. So um a lot of stuff is inside of there. And we can we can chat about that. But I think this one, this release is interesting because over the time, the platforms, so you gotta remember Android in all of its SDKs is TV, car, mm -hmm. auto, I guess, TV, watch. wearable, and phone. Wearable. Mm -hmm. Now, what they've done here is that some of them had some features, like Android TV and Android 7 got picture-in-picture -picture mode. Okay? This one's interesting. I like this. this Should is my... we jump in, or are you going to give us an overview first? <laughs> yeah, so you would think picture-in-picture -picture mode makes a lot of sense. So we've had multi-split screen support for a long time, okay? Um, even on the phone or just on, on tablets? Even on the okay. phone. You can easily stack um, apps on top of each other or side by side, landscape or portrait in in tablet mode or Chromebook type mode. Like if you have like a laptop Android based system, it's freeform windows. Wow. They mm -hmm. went full windows on them, huh? That's yeah, cool. you can toggle that. Uh, you can toggle it. Is that so that's something the user chooses if they want to be a windowed user. And so does your app have to opt into that or is that automatic? So it's it's automatically opted in, but you can opt out. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> My app does not belong in a window. <laughs> yeah, it, it's automatically opted in as long as you're targeting a specific version. So if I'm like, oh, I'm I'm targeting API 26, that means that I've opted into all the features of 26 in general. If I target a lower version, it's like, hey, I haven't really tested this. So Android, the operating system may try to do some things. Um, so usually you want that to always be like whatever you're compiling against, but you can opt out. And what's nice is that if you imagine the world of Android or even iOS now, everything is resizable. You know what I mean? The Even how you're creating iOS user interfaces, we're creating them not in hard-coded values. In Android, we're, we're creating them in filling spaces. So it can be on tablet, on phone, on, on TVs, and all these different things. And essentially what they say is your activity or your actual frame can be resizable at any time. And it just simply resizes all your elements. So what they did is they said, hey... What you can do is if you're in an application, any application, it doesn't actually have to be video, which would be the main use case, can opt into picture in picture. And what's cool about this is it makes so much sense because apps have been doing this inside their app. So like if you use the YouTube app and you watch a video and you hit oh, the yeah. button, it's small. Mm -hmm. But now it's an overlay on top of other activities and it can even be resized as well. So if you're doing video streaming, you can say, hey, this video buffer is the picture in picture for the application. And I've been waiting for this forever because I'll be watching YouTube and I don't want to stack things on top of each other. I want to use my full calendar or my email while I'm watching a YouTube clip. And like, this is crazy powerful. And it's like two yeah, lines of code I, to implement. I should totally be able to watch YouTube while I'm talking on Slack. I mean, that's just a bare minimum of modern society and all that. Exactly. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I'm a bit jealous of this thing. Um, so we've had picture in picture on iOS uh, forever. Yeah, forever. Let's go with that. And uh, it, it's pretty much tailored for video playback. So much so that if you have an app that plays video, it's pretty much automatic. Uh, the operating system handles most of it all for you. Now, if you're very, very clever, you could figure out how to put your whole app into that window, but it wouldn't be interactive. It's a total kind of hack. It's not really what it's meant for. So I love this that Android said, well, you know, if video can benefit from multi-display picture in picture, whatever we were calling it, then probably there are some other apps that would benefit also. And this is kind of the difference between Android and Apple is Android just said, well, this is a feature that can probably be used for other things. So let's make it possible. Apple would say, yeah, this could probably be used for other things, but we're not going to support that. <laughs> so it's yeah. nice to see that difference. So this is cool. Any app can become a tiny itty bitty little Wii app, a Wii app. <laughs> it can be. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's super interesting. And you're right. You know, I think Google has always given developers almost too much power. And we'll talk about some fundamental changes <laughs> later. But I think with this yeah. API, they're like, hey, this is how you should use it. And maybe you'll find creative ways to really create some <laughs> cool experiences, you know? Um, yeah. So I like that. And I think while that's maybe one of the most unique features that we have in this release, there's a few other ones. The one 
that, you know, an Android developer, Android user will always say that our notifications have always been better than your notifications, right? <laughs> always. Yeah, be- because you list all of them at the top of the screen all the time. You have 10,000 icons across your top. You constantly have this little device telling you what you should be doing instead of managing your own time. That's exactly. what you've had. No, <laughs> but no, that's, no. Well, I, I'm making fun because iOS has actually copied a lot of Android notification features. And so this is definitely a place where Android got ahead of Apple. And honestly, I kind of hate the notification system on Apple right now. So on iOS, and I'm pretty much very interested in any alternatives to it. It's not like I'm going to go get an Android device, but I'm hoping it puts a little pressure on Apple to improve their notification system. Yeah, and I think Apple's going to have to step its game up even more because I think we've brought it to a whole other level. And in this one, what you're seeing is Android. This is one of the biggest changes for developers when you target 26 is they've changed all notifications to be um, two things. The first one are all notifications go into channels. And probably, Frank, you're saying, what is a channel? Well, what is a channel? A channel is, let's say I'm an airline application. What I can do is I can say, I have channels such as check-in information, flight status, reward Mm -hmm. points. So users can then turn on and off those selectively. And you can still be firing those events, but the operating system manages those settings for you. Okay. So is... Is this a case where app developers have to agree on like a channel name or has Google gone the extra step of declaring some standard channels like you just said? It's your name, whatever you want. Oh, okay. Got it. And you can you can give them priorities that they have identified. So you can say, hey, this is a really important one. You should always leave this on. But they've let the users define what happens when a notification comes in. Okay. Yeah. The sound, (laughs) vacation or vibration, lock screen, override, do not disturb. You can actually override the importance of it that the developer set. So um, I hope so. (laughs) Yes, that's great. So pretty kind of cool, to be honest with you. It's a big change. And every app has to opt into this if they're going to target Android API 26. So if you're using notifications, be aware of that, right? Yeah, I love this. Um, so I, I'm already thinking ahead. It's it's that problem of, let's say I have a ride service app and I'm waiting for the driver to show up. So of course I'm going to have notifications on because yeah, I need to be notified. But then, you know, Saturday morning, they slip in a little ad. They tell you to do something. Maybe you want to do this. Oh, look, a coupon code. And that stuff drives me batty. And we don't have channels. Of course, they could still abuse this. But so every app developer has had to create their own kind of mini channels, like show notifications for this, show notifications for that. And you end up building that complexity into your own app. So it's really cool here that Android is taking that complexity, putting it into the OS and telling you, or not opt in, you have to do this. I I, I do like that. I just hope apps won't cheat. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing is you never... You never know what they're going to do. And like the nice thing is that it is like permissions that we got. We overrode, we overdid all of our permissions in Android Marshmallow, um, which is a relatively <laughs> large change. And if you wanted to target mm-hmm. that version, you had to do it. And it is really nice. But um, wow. I'm pretty so excited about fast. it. Yeah, they yeah. move fast. And to honest with you, we did steal your precious feature of notification badges. Totally happened. <laughs> So you're getting those ugly red badges on apps? Is that what you're referring to? We are getting not numbers. We are just getting a a little, a little dot. Okay. Oh, a dot. Yeah. A dot. An annoyance dot, let's call it. Or a pain dot. A pain (laughs) dot. Yes. It's a dot that says, hey, man, you should probably do something. And you should be working right now. (laughs) Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, on Android, we always had the concept of tap and long, a click and long click. Okay iOS doesn't necessarily have that. Now they have the pressure sensitivity where there's the in-between. Like, I don't really know how this works. So we have all three now. We we have click, long, and pressure. (laughs) That's right. So you don't know if you're actually going to be able to remove applications. (laughs) Exactly. It makes... What Heather does is... The thing that used to be... Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Heather finds the application that doesn't implement the, um, the, um, the, like, in-between press... Uh, yeah, quick, quick jumps. So that way, when she long presses oh. on it, it actually goes to it. 
Life hack. That Life is hack. a good one. Yeah, so if you're not an iOS developer, the problem is um, a hard press um, brings up a menu, uh, a light tap opens the app, obviously, and a something in between there no one knows except the Apple engineers allows you to do what used to be the easiest motion of rearrange your home screen. Exactly. And everyone hates it, but it'll get fixed eventually, hopefully. Eventually, yeah, exactly. Now, with this one, you can only just show the badge on the notification, but what's cool is is that when you long press now on an app icon, whether it has one or not, it'll show you the jump menu. So like start a new conversation or go to the section, but then it shows you your notifications for that app in line and you can swipe left and right to dismiss them. Yep. So yeah, <laughs> that's another feature we've wanted. Oh, good job, cool. Android. Yeah, Killing it. Does, does it for you automatically. <laughs> so I'm pretty Yeah, because cool. basically you just want to dismiss all those. <laughs> that's all I want to do. <laughs> go away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so is this going to cause you any problems? Is this going to affect any of your plugins or anything? Or are you good to go? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit tricky. There are some notification things that probably need some additional identifiers and things passed down. Right. It'll be the tricky. channel ID. Yeah. <laughs> so it will be kind of a little bit harder for a little bit, I think. Um, to do. So it sounds like something you have to think through for everyone's own app and decide what channels they need, break it up. Yeah. yeah. So, Look over all your permissions again. A little tricky. Yeah. So um, that'll be something on the actual thing. But I think mostly those are the only two big things that maybe developers have to think about. And like probably this is the biggest one if you're using notifications. Everything else kind of just comes along for the ride with you. Like there's so many APIs that I just don't want to get into. I mean, we have a new color gamut, right? So we stole whatever iOS was doing for wide gamut. Like that's cool. We have new web view APIs, new pinning shortcuts. We have like ways of setting multi-display support, like little things that probably most developers don't care too much about, like a new Android TV launcher. That's cool, but how many people are building those apps, right? <laughs> Nobody. Um, some new enhancements. Well, a lot of times they're enhancements, right? So there's new speech output things of starting a range and stopping a range and utterance. That's funny because it's... Let's, let's pause here for a minute. Uh, this is a good one that I like. Um, I, I'm a weirdo and I love to put text-to-speech output in my apps. <laughs> I, I just like the idea of my phone talking back to me. I want to just make it a little more personal. But to have a proper conversation like that, you need to know at what point in the speech the, the, the generator, the synthesizer, the speaker is at. So are they speaking this word or are they speaking the other sentence? Because, you know, the rates can be different and all that stuff. So it's nice that you're getting those callbacks so that your app can respond intelligently to actually every word spoken and yeah. that kind of stuff. So that that's nice just from the nerdy <laughs> text to speech side. Yeah. And they also did something very similar to like the media player and media recorder. There's new ways of adding tracks and sampling and seeking to different areas of files. So I think often that's what you see is like, there's usually not huge monolithic changes to the APIs. There's like iterative things like, oh, we now have support for Bluetooth Low Energy 5.0. That blew my mind when we were reviewing for this episode. I did not even know BLE 5.0 existed. So, ooh, now I get to read some more articles tonight. Uh, so Android's got it. And again, this is just because they have to support all the hardware out there. So, so they were probably getting pressure from someone. Someone bought a new chip or something like that. Yeah, And then they there have was to one. Yeah, they have to oh, think about a APIs around it too, right? They have this companion pairing device thing, which seems very similar to an AirPod, but essentially, you know, Android's so complex, they're like, hey, we're going to give you an API where if your device is pairing via Bluetooth, BLE, or Wi-Fi, you can have this pairing request dialogue, like streamlined. You know what I mean? Nice. Like they have to think yeah. about all these different protocols for everybody. Yeah, plus it's Android, so they have to handle services, background apps, foreground apps, all that stuff. <laughs> That's big bag of worms, but I'm glad they're tackling it. One one of these features really caught my eye, though, I want to talk about is this autofill framework. This is cool because I think we've all been in an app where they're like, hey, yo, what's your name? Where do you live? Well, hopefully they're not asking you that, but uh, what's your credit card number? Yeah, they all ask that. Um and then you just type it into this terrible UI and you have to re remember your own name. It's very difficult sometimes. You have to spell your own name correctly. And <laughs> I'm making this sound terrible, but I really do love this feature. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> and so this this allows your app to tie into, I guess it's like a system-wide kind of data 
space or is there is there data involved in this but anyway the the task they're trying to get at is to streamline and speed up filling in these annoying forms that we all fill in a million times and a million different apps yeah it's basically when you think of when you go into chrome and it auto fills out your credit card information username password all that stuff it is the same thing, right? And it's a yeah. encrypted little data store on your device that does this. And here's the best part, Frank, is it just works automatically with every single application. <laughs> oh, I don't have to opt in. This is nope. just, how, how is that possible? How does it know, James? How? As long as you're using <laughs> standard text boxes, it attempts to uh... figure it out. However, Frank, you can optimize <laughs> this. So for instance, what you'd want to do you can enable autofill hints and you can say this is a username field this is a password this is a credit card box and let it or say no i don't want this right right yeah uh, that makes more sense I, i'm a little freaked out by the idea of it guessing that this is supposed to be a password field or something like that but i guess those yeah. are pretty obvious so that's it's nice yeah. cool. so they use a hint mechanism it's just some string property you put on it or is it an exactly. actual enumeration I think it's a string, a string that you put in there. I'd have to look. It might be an enumeration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, geez. Yeah. I, I'm ex- I mean, if I was an Android user, I'd be excited about that. <laughs> no, what I'm really saying is as an iOS user, I hope Android or Apple steals that feature. That's what I'm really saying. Yeah, totally. And you know, they would do it all iCloud secure shenanigans, whatever. And it'd be awesome. <laughs> So. We kind of got it with our uh, Safari web view because we, we've had web views forever, but the problem was they didn't tap into your caching. They didn't tap into your password store, none of your plugins, none of that stuff. But finally, we got the Safari view that allowed at least this autofill stuff. And that's half. I just yell at everyone, switch your app to use Safari view just for that one feature. So it's super cool that that feature is getting put into the native app itself, you know, aside from the web. Yeah, it's exciting. All right, Frank, let's take a quick break here and let's thank our amazing sponsors of this super long episode of Merge Conflict because we are not done with the Android <laughs> Oh, no. No, no. Uh, first and foremost, our good friends, you know them, you love them, Telerik with Telerik UI for Xamarin. When I go and start building applications, I immediately kind of outgrow what's included in the box. So I need things like enhanced list views, I need charts, I need graphs, I need advanced widgets for my applications. Whether I'm building a web application, an Android application, a Xamarin Forms application, a UWP application, I need this stuff. And Telerik has you covered. They essentially have an entire suite of beautiful and delightful user interface controls for any of your applications, no matter how they're written, whether they're Xamarin Android, Xamarin iOS, or Xamarin Forms. You can actually download their sample applications on on the Apple App Store and on Google Play to actually start just playing around with them right away. And they're beautiful, fully optimized controls. And you can actually get a full 30-day trial to integrate them into your application by going to Telerik.com slash merge conflict. It's Telerik, T-E-L-E-R-I-K at dot com slash merge conflict. So thanks to Telerik for sponsoring Merge Conflict, which is super awesome. And our next and most amazing, as all of our amazing sponsors are, Raygun. You know Raygun. They don't make charts and graphs, but they do visualize all of those nasty crash reports that are coming in using Raygun and help you monitor your users in real time to find and fix performance issues. Raygun is really everything that you need for crash reporting. I use it in all of my applications that I ship to the app store. And I love it because I literally can just download a NuGet into my Xamarin applications and in under a minute, it's automatically picking up all of my uncaught exceptions with all of my stack traces, and I can add additional data if I need to. What's cool is that I can extend it so I can you know, track page views. I can patch, um, um, actually see like how long calls are taking to my web services. I can see how slow or fast my application is to start. And what's cool is that it integrates into all of my existing services, such as Slack, GitHub, Zendesk, VSTS. So kind of no matter what you're using, it integrates there to create issues and give you you these beautiful stack traces that, of course, are beautiful, but you need to go fix them. What's cool is that you can, of course, get a full 30-day trial by going to raygun.com slash merge conflict. You can learn everything about how awesome Raygun is for all of your applications, not just Xamarin, but also web, JavaScript, ASP.NET, iOS, Android, you name it, they support it. So thanks to Raygun and go over to raygun.com slash merge conflict to learn more. God, I love our sponsors. We have so such good. cool companies. <laughs> they are. Love them. Thanks. 
So before we get into fundamental changes, I don't want to try to cover every single API, but there is something that oh, I think is really good. cool. <laughs> you know, oh. Frank is <laughs> auto sizing text view, obviously the most important. Oh, I hated this one. I have to admit, um, I don't like UIs to change size, like while you're working with them. I think it just creates problems. Um, but in the case of a text view, this is your full text editor, right? This is your, this is your big one, like where you can do formatting and such. No, is, is that a text string? View? This is just a string. This you is can just a little one. This is a terrible feature. Okay. Anyway, tell me more about your terrible feature. <laughs> well, you guys have this all. I mean, this is just a string, right? It's, not, it's a text view. It's not an edit text. So this is a label. So think of it as a oh. UI label. Yes, okay. UI label. Now it's coming together. Yeah. So your the names pro- are funny. <laughs> the problem is, especially in translations, when you're translating mm-hmm. text and you don't mm-hmm. want text to wrap, you can actually just use the text view auto size properties. So you can set how the largest that you want, if you want it to be uniform, the step, the smallest that you want it to go. It essentially brings text view up to snuff with UI label. Let's just be honest. That's what it does. But that's not my favorite feature, so, Frank. It's are are you favorite. serious though? Wait, wait, I, you, I'm not letting you stop there. You didn't have this? <laughs> How the heck did you ever lay out a UI? <laughs> well, everything was in density pixels and everything just kind of adjusts. Oh my and God, it's so terrible. You can, <laughs> you, you can create this control. And actually for days until Christmas that I uh, wrote for Android <laughs> off of Chris Hardy's app, I actually wrote this control and it's maybe like 50 to 100 lines of code to auto resize, but I didn't do like the granularity and then you're auto resizing and scaling and that's not good for anybody. Plus, there's a lot of typographic things to get right, leading spaces and trailing spaces. It's actually a complex problem if, for for anyone who's tried to do it in iOS. Yeah. Okay, wanna, so it's you not your favorite it. feature. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about, it's other text view stuff though, because this is actually really cool. And I hope that you're jealous of this feature because we in 26, and we say we, I had nothing to do with this, but they greatly improved <laughs> fonts inside mm. of Android O. Right. I am a typography nut, weirdo, lover, all that stuff. And so I am ready for font improvements. But so far, I'm not like, how uh, how can you improve upon fonts, dude? Like, it just renders some text. Yeah. So fonts are super cool because if previously in Android, they had to be referenced in a weird way and you had to load them into memory and technically you should like create a shared font. But now they're just bundled into a resource. So they're actually just resource.font.whatever. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, if you have a custom font, you can create a downloadable font. Oh, boy. So now that awesome feature of the web where the page lays out and you're interacting with it and then oop, it snaps and <laughs> relays out because the new web font downloaded is coming to Android. Yippee. Correct. Now, here's <laughs> the cool thing is this really helps developers reduce their app size. You can have a fallback font, but Mm -hmm. Frank, what's nice is that this works out of the box with all the Google fonts, essentially. That is nice because anyone who's actually become a font nerd knows that fonts are not cheap. Um, you go through weird licensing models. You you find the most beautiful font and you're in love with it. And then you find out you owe them a dollar for every app sale you have. So uh, Google kind of fixed this by releasing a lot of high quality fonts basically for free. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. That this and is I actually, that. I just redid Montemagna.com, my website, and I use custom fonts on that. I actually had to pay, I think it's $100 a year for font usage. on. Oh, yeah. It, okay. Know. Yep. So, so it used to be actually a lot more than that. That's actually a reasonable price. So yeah. that's pretty cool. And what's cool that's about fun. the download? I mean, yeah. What's cool about this it, though is that there's also a system cache of fonts. Okay, so you're trying to get away from that joke I was making. Not a joke, ridicule of the app that changes its style as it pops. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. And the truth is, everyone uses about the same Google fonts all the time, so that should work pretty well, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and what's cool is that you just add a little XML file, and then you can reference that font. It has a fallback. It has a provider, so it doesn't have to be Google ones. It could be something else, um, and it just works. Kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, you know, Roboto, is that the default still? It's mm-hmm. probably one of the ugliest <laughs> typefaces what? I've ever seen. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, oh my God. I, this is, I'm just excited to have other people using other fonts. <laughs> that's wow, great. that's crazy. Interesting. 
Um, I it's mean, it's ugly, no, dude. <laughs> it's no San Francisco, I guess, but geez. I don't like San Francisco either, though, so it's oh, okay. No. I just basically hate all fonts that uh, Zap, that Zap, Herman Zapfton draw. <laughs> it's Palatino or nothing, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. I'm learning a lot about Frank today. I use strong words. Roboto's just not my favorite, especially when every app uses the same font you know i i don't want everyone using comic sans out there but just some diversity would be nice in the world that's my favorite (laughs) is i sometimes because you can change fonts at a system level and just say i want all fonts to be this thing Uh, and i love looking at people's phones when i see a funky font and I love yeah. when people pick Comic Sans. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? I don't it's understand. It's actually a pretty readable font. <laughs> it's not I'm great for long stretches of text, but for headings and icons and all that, I think it's actually a decent little font. Mm. Mm, controversy on this week's merge conflict. <laughs> never use. I love when I see a. I love when I see someone's logo, like their, like the, for their restaurant. It's using Comic Sans. That's the best. <laughs> no effort applied. I think it's better when it's more like a hospital, you know, something that really should be professional. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, can you, Frank, tell me about icon changes in iOS 11 and iOS 10? Um, I think you're supposed to use slightly more saturated colors now. Uh, we used to, we were doing some pastels, but I think you should up up your saturation by 10% or 12% or so. It's pretty revolutionary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't you pretty good? <laughs> can you change your fonts or your your not your fonts, but your icons dynamically or something like that now? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You just hire someone to redraw all your fonts and have them submit new versions of your app daily or something like that. that oh, that's no. that's dynamic. <laughs> no, you can you can do like people. There's like light theme. And like I saw an overcast, like if you're a pro member, you can like change the icon. Yes. Yeah, you. I'm sorry, I'm being a jerk. Um, you actually can finally replace your own icon. And this has become kind of a, a pet feature for people that want to charge for their app, but don't really want to change the functionality. They want to give you the app for free, but they want kind of like the Patreon model of or patronage support. And so they want to give you a token reward for, you know, supporting the app. And a lot of apps are doing the token reward of here, look at all these variations of our icons. And now you can pick the icon that you prefer because, you know, it's people's home screen on the device that they use the most often. It is actually a good idea to let the user have some control of what their home screen screen looks like yeah that's cool i like that and i think so in the world of android what's interesting is that the users have basically no control you would think right i mean (laughs) but they do they have these icon packs and like system overrides like certain launchers have icon packs and then you can assign icons to apps it's very confusing but this that's the thing is like in the world of android you have these things called launchers where anyone create their their own launch screen right and there's some really popular ones that have like millions upon billions of downloads not just the google one and the problem here is that sometimes what these launchers like to do is they like to standardize on shapes so this one's a square this one's a circle and they'll put every single icon in a circle you love that though the the maker of the circle library if you're not if you didn't know James has a library out there that'll turn any of your images into a circle image. So you must be a huge fan of this. <laughs> I do like circles, and most of my app kinds, icons are circles. But I will say that this, this is a little bit different. Okay, so what they're interesting in API 26 is adaptive icons, where you can essentially apply layers to say, this is my foreground, this is my background, which means that any launcher can then cut out any custom shape. And what's cool about it is that since they're layers they can actually have animation. So when someone taps on it, it could get bigger and they can do different things. Yeah, that's a pretty big step. I honestly can't believe, I feel like we're living in the dark ages of icons right now. To release an iOS app in all its glory, you have to create something like 20 or 30 icons at this point. It's really, and they're all images and it's a lot of work. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually all for this advancement. We rely on icons so much. They're, like I said, just the style of it. You want, you want that custom, customizability. But, 
um, yeah, being able to swap out the background and do more interesting things with it by breaking it into a layer sounds like a pretty good advancement to me. Ideally, for me, I wish we could just have SVG icons and you can label layers and so you can do some really interesting stuff without ha having to generate pixels and all that. But this is a step in the direction of recognizing that the icon used to be the stupid little image, but it's actually the most important part of your app. <laughs> We've talked about before how your icon can sell your app sometimes, you know, it's important. So it's good that it's getting some support, some improvements. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's really interesting because while you can opt into that, you don't have to do it. It's just like really highly recommended. And it's kind of one of those things where you uh, you got to kind of wait for all the app developers to do it, but you know, Facebook's never going <laughs> to do that. So they're like, oh, it's going to be this thing. So it's really oh. annoying when people don't. Um, well, that's mostly what's new. That was a lot of new features, Frank. Woo. Um, that's pretty good. That, that's a year's worth of features. I think they did a good job there, but it's definitely um, a year of improvements, it sounds like. Nothing too radical, but good improvements. Nothing too radical until you look at the behavior changes in Android O. Uh oh, <laughs> walked into that one. <laughs> yeah. Now, so tell me, uh, behavior changes. This is fundamental stuff. Like, uh, my app doesn't work anymore. That's what a behavior change sounds like to me. That is correct. And they've categorized this into <laughs> two. That is correct. They've, they have categorized My this app into, does not work anymore. Great. <laughs> yes. And, and, and this is something that all app developers need to be aware of. Just like if you compiled your application against iOS 10 and you want to at least mm. test it on iOS 11 to make sure that iOS 11 sure. didn't change how your app works, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, behavior changes are usually documented, and that means you have to read the documents or test, 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 test. And most people just test, test, test. Yeah. And so how are there a lot of these? There, how much should they change? I'm scared. <laughs> there seems to be more behavioral changes in this version than any other ones because they're always focusing on... This is a long talk. It's a long document. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, <laughs> but we will link to it. And they've categorized it into changes for all apps and then changes for apps targeting Android 8.0. And as always, the biggest changes are to background execution limits because we gave all Android yeah. developers way too much power and they have to keep stripping <laughs> it back. Always. I love this. I love this. Uh, Apple and Android are working at the same problem, but from opposite directions. Apple gave you nothing. <laughs> Google gave you everything. And they're both working their way towards this middle ground. So what are they doing to you? How are they limiting you now? Uh, well, so the first thing uh. is that, you know, they continue to limit the types of background executions and how long your app can run in the background without being a foreground application. So there's a few things I think I actually have to make sure that my step counter doesn't do stuff. But if background, so one thing that's actually good, I think, is that often background services may try to start other services and they're like, no, you can't do that anymore. You're not allowed to start a service from a like if a user kills your service, you're not allowed to start mm. it again. And yeah, that sounds like a security hole. That yeah. sounds good to <laughs> cap that. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> they've also made a lot of changes to the geofencing, location manager, Wi-Fi manager, so they only get triggered in certain instances um, of it. And essentially, they just kind of keep rolling back how these things are working. They have a whole document on background execution limits, which I will totally link to. Like it's so much that it actually has its own section under under Android O, um, which is kind of bananas. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. it's it's a lot. Um, now, that's why you need to get a newer Android device and test against it. Right. Like this is why it's important to be part of these. Like, does my app work? Does it continue to work? And I'm pretty sure my apps all work. I don't know. And there's tons of other stuff. Too. I think that we've standardized on HTTPS. I think we've gone the route of. Apple at this point of saying you need to HTTPS yeah. it. Mm -hmm. This is a good feature. I, I like it for the stability of the web and keeping everyone safe. But oh, my God, what a pain in the butt it is to be forced into secure connections. But overall, it's it's good for the world. Put some yeah. pod player on your stuff. <laughs> Stinks being a developer sometimes. <laughs> There's so much in here. They've added some new privacy settings and um, I think some new permissions. So I'll have to like update my permissions, but it seems as though there's new permissions. They have different type of alert dialogue boxes that you can pop up um, that are just change what they look like when you target it. Yeah, they've added. I like those. 
so we have like uh for these alert windows we have a lot of options now and um i'm trying to understand exactly what this means but there's security around which ones you can display is that right so what did it, they do here with the alert windows it's essentially the type of window that gets displayed so for instance if you have a priority phone like a phone call coming mm -hmm. in this means that it will be displayed uh, on top of other things these are like system level alerts i keep forgetting that you can pop up an alert while your app is running in the background that how weird <laughs> yes so yeah okay so now i see why they need a priority system and a security system around that that makes sense exactly yeah so there's all sorts of things inside of there which is really bananas <laughs> um, it's a lot to think about so start checking that build.version.sdk int people and uh they changed oh, they changed the implementation of collections.sort this is oh. for java but not for not for not for that's, not net but so funny that's gotta be crazy they changed the sort function that's gonna cause lots of fun regressions <laughs> collections.sort is implemented on top of list.sort the reverse was true in Android 7. The default implementation of list.sort called collections.sort. This change allows collections.sort oh. to take advantage of optimized list.sort implementation, <laughs> but has some constraints. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Okay. So th this is just some re-architecturing. <laughs> some architecture astronaut was in a meeting. They're like, this is wrong. My <laughs> ontology is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> exactly. They're like, eh, we're just going to change how this works. And sorry. Um, really funny. I, I do see uh, one crazy thing about your native library stuff. It looks like uh, it's going to be a little tricky to do code generation with some native libraries too. So some security changes around there. Again, moving more towards the iOS model model of not allowing any dynamic generation more sandboxy but, stuff uh, yeah more sandboxy stuff <sighs> life as a developer <laughs> it's really it's really crazy actually to be honest with you as a c-sharp developer android developers seem to keep getting more of our features like they just changed the find view by id to return a type of t instead of view you know oh yes because java or whatever language people are using over there um does have generics except it got generics kind of late so no one's APIs ever really used them that well so it looks like they're just genericizing their yeah. api a bit and they That's have these cool. they have these new async tasks which essentially are kind of like async await with callbacks in line it's very strange um we our APIs for like the support libraries in Google Play like wrap them very nice. So you'll see hmm. in you'll see like an async version and a non-async version. Very similar. Like you know when you say UI view dot animate async, you'll have animate and animate async. And mm -hmm. the new I'm trying to look at like how they do it, but it's very strange. Like they pass in a, a like a callback class. It's very it's still odd. It's not proper async await, right? So um, yeah, they're trying to get there with Kotlin and things like that. So we'll see if that ever happens. That's actually what I was guessing was that was a feature that made Kotlin programming easier was my best guess there, but I'm not a Kotlin programmer, so I can't say for sure. I am not. I'm not either. I mean, it looks you cool. You are not either. <laughs> no, I'm a C-sharp developer. It's the best language to language. Turns out. <laughs> All right, Frank. There's... Oh, so that's it. That's it. That's Android Oreo. In a nutshell. <laughs> In a nutshell. I think we talked a lot about the Android support libraries. It's important to know how those things work. What's cool here is that they've the new support libraries, 26 is a huge change because they changed the minimum version of the SDK that it was compiled oh, against. What's it now? It used Four to be seven, right? Was yeah. the normal one? It used to be seven. Now it's 14. Ooh, that's quite a jump. 14 is like KitKat tattoo territory isn't it it is 14. android dash i go to the android dashboard now i was actually in this session mm -hmm. where they were talking about this and they did this so they could remove about fifteen thousand methods oh, and okay yeah <laughs> by going to 14 that is no that's ice cream sandwich which is going to cover 99 percent of all users what android version is that is that a two-ish then 4.0 android Oh, 4.0. Okay. But it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty much every Android user. So it's still safe. That's good to know. It's very safe. So they said it's time that they do it. <laughs> and what's nice here is that they've then gone ahead and they have a separate Android UI library. They've removed some SDKs, merged some things together. 
they mm. brought some of those cool features like downloadable or like resizable text and fonts and stuff into the app compat libraries. So a lot of nice little things inside of there that you can um, you can get automatically. So that's cool. So I would say like definitely give it a look. Um, you know, these things are rolling out for for Xamarin developers over time. So even though I'm talking about it right now, I mean, you I mean, people might not start playing around with it for a bit, but it's at least important to test your app to see if you need to make any changes, because if there's fundamental changes in Android O that's impacting your app, you don't even need the new SDK to fix that. Right. You can just change that functionality because yeah. some of these things are, you know, just a fundamental change of how Android O is working. So it's the fun, fun, fun stuff. Yeah, this is this is what we do for iOS. It's when you were describing iOS 11's coming out, you test on iOS 11, but unfortunately during the summer you can't release an iOS 11 app. Uh, you're not allowed to use the beta SDK. So what you do is you make your changes in iOS 10 and make sure it's still compatible with iOS 11. This is a very classic iOS move, our, our summertime behavior, basically. Exactly. <laughs> it's making yeah. sure all the stuff works. So welcome test, to the test, club. Test, test, test. We talked about the <laughs> yeah. beta summers, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> true. Flipping true. Well... This has been awesome. I feel like I'm an Android expert again for a day or two, and I'll be an idiot again. Um, but it, I, I can't believe we put it off this long. We'll, we'll have to do a little bit better next year. We did. I That's think we put it, put it off as long <laughs> as humanly possible. <laughs> I mean, it was actually released. That's good. True. Um, it was released. I never. Yeah. So we waited for that. That's what we did. Yeah, we waited for it. That's good. Yeah, we waited. It was good. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I, I think that's about all I got to say on this on this one, Frank. On this epic length podcast, that's all we have to say. Sounds good. Let's yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> all right, buddy. <laughs> well, you can find all that Android O goodness uh, at Googling Android O or in the show notes below. <laughs> um, you can, Are you tired, James? <laughs> I'm a little, I got up really early this morning. You can <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast by going to mergeconflict.fm. There's a bunch of subscribe buttons or just open up Apple Podcasts or any podcast application. Hit the subscribe button. Hit, the, hit that share button and share it with all of your friends. They will love you forever. And um, you can find us on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm, at James Montemagno, at Proclarum. You can find us all over the internet. We love hearing from you. So leave us feedback on Twitter or hit the contact button on mergeconflict.fm. And until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.